0: What's up, my friends, and welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today we're talking about crowdfunding and how a couple of brand new creators with their first ever project made over a million dollars. I'm talking to Amy and Dusty Droz from Ducks Somnium Games. And as soon as I saw their campaign, and the fact that they this was their first one, the first project they project they had ever put out on. Kickstarter and it had you know fifteen thousand backers over a million bucks. It's like okay, what what did y'all do? How did you crack the code here? What are, tell me your secrets? What what deal did you make with some kind of extraterrestrial being that brought you in and said, "Here, uh, children, learn the ways of of the Kickstarters." But in all seriousness, they they had some really amazing insight. Uh, I, you know, I've run a ton of campaigns. At this point, but even still, I was taking notes like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that's a great way to do it. Oh, that's a good angle. It's a good way to, to think about things. Just a lot of things that I was able to learn. And I think if you're someone who is wanting to run a campaign, or maybe you've already run some campaigns, but you're trying to learn and trying to get better and grow. I think you're going to learn a lot from this episode as far as how to approach things with your marketing, with your customer service, with your presentation, as far as like pictures and images on on the campaign page, and also unlocking audiences that aren't just gamers, you know, reaching out to a much bigger group of people that might be interested in playing the game based on the theme or based on, you know, the type of game that you're doing. And I really enjoyed this conversation. Amy and Dusty just seem to be phenomenal people doing some really cool things. And I'm excited to see where they go from here. In other news, this episode is sponsored by Malfunctioning and Malicious Magical Items, a brand new set of magical items designed to bring whimsy and unexpected twists to your D&D adventures. This set of over 90 diverse magic items come with their own unique malfunction, offering a wide range of surprises that will keep players on their toes as they deal with hilarious mishaps and unexpected consequences. Encourage your players' creativity and problem solving as they discover ways to use the items to their advantage. The cards come in a box that looks and opens like a book, so they'll also look great on your shelf after the game. The project already had a successful Kickstarter campaign and is now available on Backerkit, so be sure to check it out while you can steal Late Pledge. In other news, this episode is sponsored by Crowdfunding Nerds, also known as Next Level Web. This group of crowdfunding specialists has worked on over 100 projects and helped raise nearly $15 million. But the truly amazing part is that most of those campaigns were from first-time creators. They charge flat fees and offer simple monthly pay-as-you-go plans, and their record for funding projects on day one is over 90%. I've personally been working with them for years, and they have been instrumental in helping me raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for my own campaigns. Andrew and his team are honest, hardworking, and reliable, and they have been absolutely phenomenal to work with. So if your game is awesome, but your email list is pitiful, visit crowdfundingnerds.com and fill out a contact form today. And now, please help me welcome Amy and Dusty Dros. So Amy, Dusty, you're coming off of a million dollar plus Kickstarter campaign as first time creators, which is exactly how you drew it up. You sat down you're like, "Okay, we're going to do a million bucks right off the bat," right? Obviously. Yeah. So <laughs> tell me tell that. me what you're feeling. Tell me what you're feeling right now. Like what was the expectation going in and then kind of where are you at right now?
1: Well, our goal was $5,000. <laughs> <laughs> and we had some, like, kind of benchmark goals above that where we...
2: We, like, knew how much we needed to make to get 5,000 products. Certain to get price breaks. 2,000 products.
1: And we had plans based on all those things. Like, oh, my gosh, if we manage to hit, you know, $85,000, then the business will be completely up and running. And that would be incredible. You know, we'll see how it goes. And we, we did that by dinner time on the first day.
2: Yeah. Well, and we were also looking at all these other great... Um, Kickstarter campaign, like aspiring
1: to be, and we're uh, like, oh
2: my gosh, can you imagine if we were like
1: four hundred
2: thousand? Yeah, I'd be like. Amazing. <laughs> so
1: we we were hoping to just sort of like you know give our business a little push and and now we have like a business.
0: Yeah, yeah. You got fifteen thousand backers. Uh, you're you're going to get more in the pledge manager. Uh, you know I assume you're going to do a late pledge and bring more people in. Uh, a lot of times you know I've seen some companies able to get you know thirty percent of whatever they got in the campaign. They get that in the pledge manager. Sometimes more. I mean that exactly. potentially for you could be another three hundred grand of backer <laughs> pledges coming in. It's just phenomenal and I'm excited just to kind of chat about. Okay, how did you do it? Like what does that look like? I know there's always a little bit of luck. There's a little bit of, you know, capturing lightning in a bottle. It's not like somebody's gonna be able to take notes from this podcast and go, okay, now now I'm gonna be able to run a million dollar campaign. But there's still certain things that you did that set you up for success. I don't even
1: know if our next campaign could be a million dollars. Uh but like I, I feel very confident we could have another successful one for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, now that you've built up people knowing about you. And that's one of the things that's so hard to cut through the noise and to just be known, right? There's so many games coming out. There's so many big companies on the market using Kickstarter, using crowdfunding to run their own campaigns, even though they maybe don't really need to. And so as a first time creator coming out, you know, coming out of the gate and, and doing so well, it's super, super challenging. What would you say are some of just the main things that y'all did leading up to the campaign that then, Providing you know dividends later for people backing the project.
1: So we used a company called Launch Boom, and they were phenomenal. But you don't necessarily need to. But we just had, I like I it, since
2: it was our first, we had it no was clue. our first, we
1: had no clue. And I I typed in uh, how to Kickstarter, like literally that in <laughs> Google. We were that just absolutely out of our depth, and, and they were one of the mm. first things that came up. And so I contacted them, and I and they had they had just had a and really were, nice
2: like, lo- more low. Well, some they're of in the San Francisco. In they're kind of near us. Yeah.
1: yeah, we live three hours outside San Francisco. Um, and I just started talking to them, and and they have they you know have a, a good team of consultants. And what they did, it's kind of like a like a combo consulting and coaching program where they they teach you how to do pre campaign marketing. You do a lot of it, and then you meet with them, and they say this is the all going rate. right. Yeah, you change this and this, and um, so there's a lot of education at involved like, at the same time.
2: Can we afford that? price (laughs) yeah
1: yeah and so we're like
2: we think we can
1: so we like took that was one of the few big leaps we took so we're very much about like we're not i wouldn't say risk averse because we have three other businesses but we're very cautious and we assess our risks as though okay let's say we spend this money and we get zero dollars back like well you know is that catastrophic and if the answer is no it's not catastrophic that we could survive it then you know then we'll usually go for it um so we started up with LaunchBoom Boom, and and um, and they the they they had just incredible advice. Taught us how to run all our Facebook ads. Helped us, you know, rebound ideas and talk about stuff and just really get kind of get that get all that stuff figured out. And we start. So we we spent a, we spent a few months just like working on all our marketing and writing all our stuff and 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 figuring out like, you know, how to market a board game in the first place, like how to write stuff about it and what pictures to take and and, and do that. Then we started like kind of like ad testing, where we put some ads out there to see if people responded well and what they responded to. And we did two weeks of that. Um,
2: and we also heard that the best picture was the box picture. Yeah,
1: we had our, our video guy said the box picture always wins. And it did. It was one of the best pictures we had. And so, you know, we had to go like we were real granular, mm-hmm. granular, like, okay, which pictures are working? Which text is working? things we never would have thought of, like even with our other businesses, we'd never thought of it like to this level. Um, and so we, then we had a meeting with launch boom and they were like, okay guys. So, um, usually at this point we have about 20, 30 reservations. Like we were selling a little mini expansion, uh, which got a lot of people to sign up. And, and instead of 20 or 30, we had 600 of these pre signups <laughs> for the mini expansion. And we're like, okay, so this is, this appears to be working, you know, but it's still just like, I hope. Right. um, so by the time the campaign started, we were, you know, when we were doing stuff on Instagram too, and we, we, with our flower farm, we have a, not a huge following, but enough people that it keeps us in business and yeah, stuff. And, and then we
2: also have, we sell flower presses online, mm-hmm. like and on Etsy. So we
1: had some advertising. We kind of did through that, but like, you know, it, it was like a, a mix of it, but yeah, so like, so by the time the campaign rolled around, we had 2,600 of these, uh, eight card mini expansions sold. Um, and it was cool. The mini expansion is only available for like the pre-campaign stuff. Uh, and, and 9,000 email signups, which was about eight eight thousand 8,990 more than we expected to have, like ready to, to sign up for the game beforehand. So yeah, that was, that was, you know, that and, and just kind of building our Instagram following off of that was, were the two biggest things we did. Just make, just like finding anybody at all who, who would, like finding our market niche right finding anybody all who would see the game and who would respond to it and the response was pretty good leading into it
2: yeah and so for our market it's kind of different than a lot of board gamers like we also went after like the gardeners and the flower pressers
1: yeah (laughs) LaunchBoom has this giant sheet of all these different audiences that they've tested for different industries and you know they work with technology companies and stuff and I was kind of going through the sheet and for the, I picked the board game ones to create audiences on Facebook. And I'm like, yeah, these will be pretty good. And they responded well. And then I was like, you know, I'm just going to kind of look around and see what else. And I found they had an audience that was like targeted towards people who are fans of gardening publications. And I'm like, sure, let's throw this in there and just see what happens. And it was one of our best performing audiences, you know? So I guess advice for the listeners would be like, you know, don't just think I got to go to board game geek and win these guys over. Like look, you know, look outside the market because Amy had never even heard of board game geek before we started this campaign, even though I look at it maybe like once a month, but you know, even I'm not uh, on there all the time. Darcy um,
2: definitely likes the more hardcore. I like to play
1: Battle Tech and Magic and all that fun stuff. Yeah, and
2: I like the little simpler, like quick to learn. Basically, what we made for Dominion ourselves. and
1: Small World, yeah, and stuff like that. I mean, those are and which are really fun games. Like I like them too, but she definitely isn't in there rolling dice with me as we're like <laughs> trying to blow off a mech's arm or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So I think there's a very interesting thing that people can learn from this. So I interviewed a guy, this is a while back on the show, and he had a game called Distilled, which was all about making alcohol, making whiskey and different types of alcohol. And he had built up a following, kind of like y'all had, with people that weren't like gamers, right? He had reached out to a ton of people in the the business of making, you know, different types of I don't even know, different type of liquor basically. And he had just built up a a following there. And then also the game was strategic enough where it appealed to the the people that they like strategy games, you know, the gamer kind of folks. And so he had this really cool intersection of of people coming and he made about half a million dollars as a first time creator. And so maybe there's just something to think about as a game designer, as a publisher that you don't just have to lean into. Well, I guess it depends on the context. If I'm making a three hour Euro game, I'm (laughs) going to lean into the board game geek. (laughs) you know crowd because that's what they want but if you have a a game that like you said it's a little bit lighter a little easier to play a little easier to get to the table you learn it quick it plays fast think about okay who are the other people that might be interested in this and you just you just got to ask them you just got to put the ads in front of them and so tell me about tell me about those ads right you talked about the box art you have a beautiful game that makes all the difference in the world it looks great you know as soon as you see it you're like ooh, what is what is that and so, but tell me about these ads that you were putting in front of people who aren't necessarily gamers. What were some of the things you were saying, the pictures, any of that kind of thing?
1: So the, the pictures, I think the pictures were the biggest thing because we, you know, we had some, we had some pretty good text, but we only test out like a few things there, but the pictures. Just were, because
2: it was doing so well. Yeah.
1: Cause it was doing so well. Like we, we didn't want to rock the boat. Um, the box we got told, you know, Amy made a beautiful box and she designed it after these like old vintage books that she collects, like from the Victorian era, you know, like on period books. Um, and, uh, then the other stuff, so we have a photography, a wedding photography business. And so then we put up a lot of stuff that was just like shots of the board game as though we were at a wedding taking photos of, you know, rings and, <laughs> and reception tables and flowers and stuff. And, and so we did all that. And so just, you know, really nice artwork there too. And, and not, not to say that everybody needs to be a photographer, but like, you know, if you're looking for some place to invest a few hundred bucks, if you have a friend or know somebody who does can do nice shots like that. You know, it's really easy just to set it up on a table outside or in a field or something and and get get good non-traditional shots. Um one of the guys that helped us a lot was Ori from Kagan Productions. He did our our really cool video that we have on there and he also does like a marketing kind of um deep dive. And one of the things he pointed out was that like we, you know, a lot of Kickstarter campaigns, a lot of the campaigns that I back, you go and they have like a, you know, the they have the 3D rendered like spread of the board, like proof of life, here's the game and here's the things that come with it. Um, and without even really thinking about it, Amy just put one of the, you know, like one of the, the shot of her hand in the gloves with the cards and like an artistic shot as the first picture on there. And, um
2: uh, well, I also like to follow lots of, um, people that like to dress as time period pieces, like on Instagram. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so we just led with that image as opposed to, you know, non-traditional, but it was mm. it, again, thinking about our target market, it was, it was more like what they would resonate with as opposed to, um. You know, like when I go to back Battletech, the first thing I want to see is I want to see, like, every miniature that comes in the game, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, but you bring up a good point here in in that different, at times, can be better than better. So you're not coming in saying, hey, this is the best board game, this is the best flower game ever. You're just saying, Hey, this is, this is different. And we're going to present it in a different way. We're going to present it in a way that is unexpected and it catches people a little bit off guard. And then what happens is our little lizard brain is like, Ooh, I want to know more, right? You're, you're opening up all these loops and you're like, Oh, what was that? And people are all of a sudden they're scrolling down the page and now they're learning more about the game and they're seeing these beautiful images that they're not used to because it is different than, you know, the CIMON game that has all the miniatures and all the 3d renders and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's something again, to to be learned from that is like, how can you make your game stand out? Now I feel like a lot of this from y'all is coming in because you didn't know the quote unquote, all the best practices you weren't going, okay, I've studied you know (laughs) a hundred of these campaigns. And so, but but I think that's something super valuable. You came in to it with a different look, you know, new eyes, so to speak, a different angle. And it just happened to be a really smart angle. I think it's, I think sometimes you can come in with a new angle and you have no idea what you're doing. And then it shows, but you, didn't necessarily quote unquote know what you were doing first time campaign, but you came into it with with a mindset again, professional good angles, you know, thinking through, okay, this is what appeals to other people in other places with these other businesses.
2: Yeah. Yeah, With, ori um we also talked a lot about like who was our target market
0: and with launch boom too yeah, yeah.
1: so yeah it is one say, thing to say oh we came at it from a different angle but it wasn't like some magic or flash of inspiration like we had a few people literally say like what was the magic and i'm like it doesn't feel very magic over here like it just feels like we thought really hard like who who are we trying to market to and then we and we took everything we learned from um, our other businesses what do and, they like yeah and what do they like what
2: do they look at like i don't think oh, well, how many? We had like 20% of our Kickstarter backers backers, are new. And so I'm like, what do they like to look at? Probably more Instagram, Pinterest rather than board game geek. Yeah. And so that was more our kind of target market. So
1: like we weren't making sure that the very, like we had a little how to play, but it was broken down into like real simple terms. and and, And we tried to make the rules. Like we tried to go for like the you know dominion and magic and, and small world and and game uh like kingdom builder like they're games with like really simple rule sets that are have incredible complexity within that rule set based on like what's in front of you um and so we tried to do that and so rather than like try to hit everybody over the head with that we were like okay look look how easy this is to learn how to play you know you're not a gamer that's okay you have gamer like family members you know and we we tested it with we have the full breadth in our family and friends and so we tested it with people that hardly game and people that play game a lot and. Were, so so don't worry about that part like get over that hurdle and then look how cool this looks and look how much fun you can have and look how neat all these things are and and focus kind of that that angle and then and then below all that once we'd kind of made the sale visually then we we had the things like here's the rules if you want to read them and here you know here's here's the details of this and this and what comes with it and all that fun stuff.
0: I just want to point out the fact that you brought in basically 3000 people who were first time backers on kickstarter. Kickstarter actually I- contacted us about that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? What did what did they want to know? They they wanted to
1: just talk about like how the process went for us. They were they they really want to know how how did it Super go for nice. us? Yeah, incredibly nice people. How did it go for us? What can they do to make it better? You know, especially given the fact that we had so many people that were new to Kickstarter. And and so yeah, it, it was just really they were really helpful like about about everything that we you know we listened to we had some ideas about like oh it'd be nice if this was a little more seamless or if we could like the you know because we were having there were some people that were coming to us and they're like i really want to back this i don't understand how kickstarter works at all uh and not just some there were quite a few people and that's fine that's an easy problem for us to solve because we just walk them all through it and tell them how it works and then Make sure that we're really like we communicate a lot now going forward because you know now they got to go through the backer kit process and that's weird and then charging shipping later and that's not necessarily how it works when you buy stuff from Target right like so
0: yeah they they were
1: just they were just trying to um, make sure that they were doing everything that we needed to help with that whole process since it was sort of abnormal.
0: Gotcha. I want to go back and talk about Launch Boom for a second. Do they charge like a percentage of what they help you bring in? They charge a flat fee on the front end. How does the payment uh, structure work? is flat fee. when we did it <laughs> yeah it still is actually i <laughs> talked to them just
1: about the other day just to make sure because i was telling people uh it's flat fee and then um they you get it for the whole campaign so however long you need as a run-up we hired them in um like right before christmas and, and you know we worked with them all the way up until the campaign launched on the first and then i was still emailing them and, and they they have um so they have three main consultants as of right now, I mean, that could change. Cause you know, as they get more people, but they have three main, they have like a bunch of different branches and a bunch of different people do stuff. But as far as like the actual campaign ads help, they have three consultants, uh, Justin, Harrah and, uh, Soren. And every four days a week, uh, so you can email them anytime. They do check-ins with you where it's one-on-one and you jump on a call, like, you know, like we're doing now and, and go over stuff in detail. And then, um, they
2: uh and they help you also make sure that your kickstarter page looks nice yeah they
1: do they review all the stuff you send them and then four days a week they have what are called office hours and you just shoot them an email hey uh i, I want to jump on office hours and review my ads and then a bunch of people um from the group so it's usually like anywhere from like 20 to 40 people would jump on you, know, you could see what other people are doing they take you in breakout rooms and you go over the stuff and you take 10 20 minutes and go over everything and it's incredibly efficient process never never even once lacked for attention from them which is amazing given the number of people that they're working with at any given time um their advice was always spot on like we did you know we just tried to do everything they told us to do and when someone we were like oh we're not sure we can make that work or whatever they'd work with us to like well let's you know here's an idea for how we can fit it based on how your business runs and what you guys what your guys' goals are and stuff just unbelievable like really really good absolutely one of the key factors in our success because they gave us you know we still had to make the sale but they helped us figure out how to get the audience to even make the sale in the first place.
0: Very cool. All right. Another thing I want to go back to, and this is something I haven't really heard of people doing in, in the past, is that the reservations where you're selling a mini expansion. Tell me about that. How much was it? What What was it? What was the process?
1: Yeah, it was, it was $1. And um, we, we had started off. With doing like a uh, one dollar and we were going to do a day one early bird and we were going to tell these people about it first and and you know most campaigns that's great nobody finds your campaign on day one you tell your backers they get day one you turn it off uh again back to that we were supposed to have like 20 to 30 and we had 600 suddenly we had a lot more people and that, you and know. then
2: at the end we had three
1: over yeah campaign. 2600 yeah. so very early on um victor at launch boom came to us and he's like look guys um you know this this sort of this process sort of works if you're like a tech company and you're like uh, and you're selling like, a you know, like a thousand dollar like AI driven robotic arm or something like that. Right. Uh, sort of different for board games. Is there anything you guys could offer these these pre-backers? And we had seen I don't even remember what campaign it was. Somebody had done like a mini expansion when we were when we were researching other people's Kickstarter campaigns. We're like, oh, that's cool. And we talked to Panda Games Manufacturing, our manufacturer. And so we talked to Clark and Carter at Panda. And we're like, hey, could we make this work? So we had eight. It's, it's one character that will never be offered anybody else anywhere else. And seven blue flower specimen cards that that you just shuffle into the main deck, but they keep the they keep the they're not anywhere else in the game, and they keep the balance of the game. And, and it was a dollar, and we're like, if you you can leave your email or you can pay a dollar to sign up for this mini expansion, and uh, when you back our game on Kickstarter, then you will also get the mini expansion. Um,
2: and then we like doing these mini expansions. Yeah,
1: I, <laughs> and it was absolutely triggering in me, like, oh gosh, I I need to make sure I get this. Oh wait, I. I could get 5,000 if I wanted to, (laughs) Uh, you know, like it's a, they're they're cool. We
2: did another mini expansion exclusive for the Kickstarter. Yeah. That was about roses.
1: And so of the 2,600, and this was just trackable about 900 people, 900 of our 2,600 reservations have converted so far and 500 of them converted on the first day by like lunchtime. Um, because, you know, we were we were emailing them. Hey, in a week, we're launching. Hey, you know, tomorrow or three days We're launching tomorrow. We're gonna launch it at 7 a.m. We're gonna send you all emails letting you know that this is going um, and, and the response was like immediate and and this was one of launch boom statistics But those people that do that reservation they have like a 35 to 45 percent conversion rate and I think ours was somewhere I think ours was about 45 ish so far maybe getting close to 50 no, that would have to be more 13. Yeah, it was like 45, 40, 45% of them have converted so far. Um, and like when you have regular email signups, it's a more like a 1% conversion rate, uh, which based on what I can see was sort of true. I think we, were, we went one, for two, one to 2% of anybody that gave us an email, but it's hard, you know, it's hard to track because people find us at Kickstarter and they see us multiple places, but yeah, it was, it was huge, right? Like it, right, right there by itself, 900 backers would have been an absolutely successful campaign for us. Great. Like,
0: awesome. <laughs> like. So did you say that someone could either pay a dollar or give you their email address?
1: No, no, no. They could leave the email, but if they paid a dollar, they got the mini expansion. Yeah, yeah. So it was like a two-step Oh, process. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So had, the email address for it. information.
2: Yeah, yeah, so some people were kind of on the fence and wanted more information about it. Some people so, left
1: the email and came back. Yeah. yeah. So we had 6,500 people just leave their email and another 2,600 on top of that also purchase the $1 mini expansion.
0: Okay. Very cool. This is super interesting to think about because if you can get somebody to open their wallet, right? To grease yeah. the tracks, yeah. right? Even for a dollar, even something yeah. pretty insignificant, then all of a sudden, and, and I feel this too, like if I go to the Dollar Tree and I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm going to buy this one thing. It's like, yeah, well, I might as well buy these 12 or 15 <laughs> other things. <laughs> yeah. all it's not a big deal. It's yeah. you, like you just psychologically, it, it gets you going. And all of a sudden, you're, you find yourself buying a $100 board game. And so I think that's a very interesting thing to think about and to offer. And you're saying that that expansion is only available at that one time. Like you'll never offer it again yep, either, right? Yep. Yeah,
1: which we, you know... Yes. We, 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 uh, I feel like, I, I know that uh, like a year from now, people are going to be like, where is this and where did it come from? Right. And we'll, oh
2: yeah, it was pre-marketing. It's kind of like, like it's like Kickstarter. Yeah. Comic-Con exclusives. yeah Kickstarter
1: exclusives. Yeah. So
0: yeah. you gotta be careful because I've seen some people kind of shoot themselves in the foot doing that and it's like oh we really want to offer this later but we told people we wouldn't and so you know you can give yourself a way out and say you know that you're going to offer it for a dollar here but if, if somebody wants to buy it later you're going to charge ten dollars and so they get a much better discount or something like that yeah. like, there's different ways and that's kind of why we
1: went the, the mini expansion route too we didn't want it to um like it's fun and it's cool but like the game is still the game without it right so it's not like it's it's it's, it's, it's
2: and then not like a deal breaker yeah. and for our last um goal. we ended up doing a seaweed like kind of mini expansion we just added it to the game though because we're like
1: permanently yeah, yeah
2: a lot of people were asking us what about seaweeds <laughs> and i thought
1: I, we put that up and we were sitting there like okay we're at 850. we have two days to go
2: are we gonna make are it? are we
1: gonna make it projections
2: kind of said we were yeah we
1: were looking at a lot of different projection mm-hmm. sites and they were saying we had a chance and i was like you know what let's just put it up and then we spent the next, like, uh, 36 hours just, just like, chewing through our fingernails. <laughs> like, oh, gosh, this is going to be so embarrassing if we put up this million-dollar stretch goal and we don't hit it. <laughs> yeah.
0: So tell me about that. Because, like, did you have stretch goals in mind going in? And then, obviously, you blew through them. Like, we tell me blew about that. through
1: every so, stretch goal we made public by lunch on and the we're first like, day. we like,
2: okay, we're going to need to stretch these out. Yeah, <laughs> so we
1: started. And we spent a lot of time with Panda, like, talking to, to Cardner and Clark about like, okay, can't, you know, we have, you know, what are some ideas and they gave us some good ideas and could we make this happen? And will this fit within, you know, cause we thought, more
2: will this cost us? Yeah. We we have
1: to make sure that it doesn't like, you know, break the bank where we offer a stretch goal and it, and it costs like half the box, uh, which we had people lobbying for stretch goals that would have cost us like half the, the cogs on it. And so, you know, we figured out what would work and what wouldn't. And every time we hit a stretch goal and or
2: like, add too much weight to the box. Yeah. Or? Too much
1: mess something up and so um, like one of the stretch goals we came up with was uh rather than having the same shape pawns we we now have a different pair like a shape a different shape for each pair of pawns for each player um and so like people were like hey you know we need the next stretch goal we need a stretch goal we're like we're working on it and we're like emailing back and forth and like, like can we make this people. work yeah. can <laughs> we make this work and how do we make this work and is it is it everything going to be okay and you know what what is, what is the cost change if we do this and uh, so there was like a lot a lot more going into the Figuring out of the stretch goals than we had anticipated. We had a big list. We put like five or six of them up to begin with. And we're like, okay, well, maybe if we maybe if we even get there, then we'll we'll start tapping into some of these other stretch goals and see if we can make them happen. And yeah, we ate our whole list. We ate the next list, and then <laughs> and then we ate the the all the new ideas that we had after we ran out of list A and list B. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I've seen, unfortunately, I've seen several campaigns become basically the victims of their success. And they didn't necessarily talk to the manufacturer. You know, they didn't think through what it was going to do to the weight or the cost of the game. And all of a sudden it expanded out like how long it was going to take to deliver the game yeah. or it made the game heavy enough where it went into the next threshold. And so all of a sudden the that $10 figure. shipping yeah. rate is now $17. Exactly. Now you can't fit as many on a pallet. Like everything changes. And a good friend of mine named Jamie Stegmaier, when he ran his first campaign, he was very, very successful back in that time. And, and I don't even know. That was
1: Viticulture was his first, right? Yes, right. exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And we're not talking about a million dollar campaign, but he had a, a final stretch goal of adding metal coins to the game. And, Yeesh. And I did he not didn't, know that. And <laughs> he didn't hit it. He didn't hit that final, kind of like you are saying, uh, you know, uh, what if we don't, you know, what if we put it out there and then we don't hit it? Well, he didn't. And he felt kind of bummed about that. But then looking back, he's like, wait, that would have totally screwed up everything it would have messed up the weight of the box and the costs and everything and so looking back like i've talked to him about it he says if he had hit that stretch goal he would not have a company now because that first game project would have put him way in the red nowhere near being able to you know make money and, and come back with another project and then all that and so that, that's funny yeah, about the I, coins.
2: i wanted coins so badly and we actually agonized over how because for coins weeks cost a lot for
1: weeks yeah because uh, we've been working with mm-hmm. game trays and and mike at game trays, we were kind of like, hey, you know, he's like, have you thought about metal coins? And we're like, yeah, we're kind of looking into that. Um, you know, we got to figure it out. And then But we they're th- like
2: half the whole box. They are
1: half the price of the entire game. Um, and so then we agonized over it. And, we, and then, we, like I said earlier, we were doing math. And we're like, okay, well, let's say, you know, here's the minimum order quantity. And here's how much it would cost. And if we spend this, okay, well, you know, worst case scenario, we, we wasted $7,000 on coins that nobody bought. And our kids are going to have the most amazing treasure hunt of all time <laughs> on the farm, right? They just put these coins everywhere. Um and yeah, and we made, so we sold 500 copies of them in the first day and 4,500 copies overall at 25 bucks a shot. Um, so we just made them separate. So they were kind of like, if you want them, cool. And if you don't want them. And we I had and people. And then they,
2: like, so we don't pay for the shipping. It's all, like, it's separate. It's it's, it's, it's its own separate. item.
1: So it doesn't change the shipping <laughs> on the base game. But yeah, we went into excruciating detail with Panda over all those things. Like, what's this going to do to wait? How's it look? How's this thing going to do? And then we talked to, we're using Easy Ship for our, our shipping company uh and we we're talking to the easy ship guys like what's this look like if we do this and if we change this and what's it happen here and so we were making sure to give the right estimates to all our people on the, on the page um we didn't yeah we did not do anything uh even with the stretch goals without running them by like every single person that could potentially be touching these things just to make sure that um
2: didn't throw anything didn't off didn't throw anything much. off sure. cuz like you
1: know like like at yeah, 500 mm-hmm. backers like okay that you know maybe i lost 500 dollars but at 15,000 backers okay well you know now i lost uh like you know seventy five hundred dollars, and that starts to hurt, <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I mean, yeah, every mistake now gets multiplied by fifteen thousand, yeah, I know and so yeah, yeah. Just, going back to metal coins they they make a wonderful add-on and a terrible stretch goal, and I just want people to get that in their heads. on Sell it separately. Don't put it in in the the base game as as something you're just adding in. People do love them. People love them. So we we figured, okay, why not do the best Mm -hmm. of all worlds? Let's make
1: them available for people who love them and want them. And let's not push them on anybody who doesn't necessarily want them. I
2: think we added them with like two days before our... Yeah. Our kickstarter went like and there were like, some let's just do it let's see <laughs> we had a
1: lot of there were a lot of funny conversations about our game out on reddit and on uh board game geek but one of the one of the most interesting ones was somebody was like do you guys really feel like these metal coins are necessary and i even went in there and said they're they're totally not like you know You're it's not. just one, one threes <laughs> and fives and you know if you want them they're there and, and plenty of people do and if you if you guys have other coins you know as long as you can keep counting your coins like go for it like, i know I, I
2: was like quarters would probably Work just yeah well. you can use
1: real money if you really want to like if you just really want that tactile and and, the, and so they replied in the in the in the post they were like wow that's you know that's cool that you that you're okay with that and i'm like why wouldn't I?" it's just a board game like go have fun you know
2: they have flowers on them. use yes, rocks
1: so if you want, like knock yourself out. Like you can whatever right. helps you count. Like go for it. So
0: Well, what's funny about that is board games like as a hobby in general is already a luxury hobby. It's it's something like you don't need any of these things and so to say, well, do you need that? Well, like we don't need any of this. It, some people enjoy it. They like to, you know, make their games a little little extra and that's that's fine. And they'll pay you for it. They'll pay you 20 or 25. dollars We had a lot of people and telling do us they that do they do like
2: a nice velvet embroidered, well, faux velvet? Yeah, faux velvet embroidered, embroidered bag.
1: Yeah. Mhm, very fancy. <laughs>
0: Let's talk about this whole notion of okay, you make a mistake now, you're multiplying it by 15,000. You know, I've talked to so many people that it's a first time campaign and they say, Okay, what do I, what's my goal? What do I need to shoot for? And I tell them, You want somewhere between 300 and 500 backers, like enough to fund the project, get you going. Hopefully, you're not doing some big expensive thing. You can, you know, get the game out there, you build up an audience. If you make mistakes, they're cheap. Okay. Y'all haven't done that. Y'all are on the like complete opposite, totally <laughs> other end of the spectrum. Well, so tell me, tell me the conversations that you're having thinking through, okay, we have to be extra careful. We got to make, you know, dot every I, cross every T. We cannot make an ounce or an inch of mistakes because all of a sudden the magnitude of it is multiplied by 15 K. Tell me about what some of the things you're thinking about. Things you're talking about, things you're afraid of.
2: It's mostly the shipping.
0: Yeah. The ship, shipping. Shipping. I've been really worried about. And we're um,
2: like, how do some of these people on Kickstarter, there's, sh- so we ship our flower presses and like we use UPS, right?
1: Yeah. So for example, mm-hmm. we started going through this in detail and we're looking at like, you know, like a game we backed and they're offering $8 shipping. And I'm like, I cannot ship a, I cannot ship a, 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 flower a 24 yeah, ounce flower press from Chico, California to San Francisco, 200 miles away for $9. And they're sending a five dollar, five pound board game for eight. Well, the answer is they're subsidizing, right? But that subsidy, if they just say it's $8 in the US, well, our fulfillment center is in Los Angeles. And some people are buying in New York and shipping is gonna be 20, 20 bucks. And some people are in Los Angeles and shipping is still gonna be, $12 or, or whatever, right? 15. I think our price range when I did all the math was 15 to $19 anywhere in the United States, right? If they're offering a flat rate, they're eating the cost somewhere. They, you know, maybe that, maybe you maybe you pad it, maybe you eat the cost, but I don't think a lot of people consider that necessarily when they're looking at it against their profit margin. That with 15,000 backers, if I, or, you know, we had 9,000 in the United States, if I, if I'm subsidizing $5 per backer, I'm subsidizing $45,000 of profit. Well, if you want to do that, that's okay. But you have to look at, like, I have a gargantuan spreadsheet that says here is exactly what our profit is and here is everybody that we have to pay to, you know, for, for our, this is the money we paid for advertising. This is the money that we're going to pay Panda based on the number of units we're ordering, this is the money that we're, that we owe backer kit after the campaign because they have their own fees and stuff like that. Um, like here's my profit. Can I eat $45,000, you know? And so you got to look at all that. Um, and I, I spent. I spent months looking at every campaign under the sun all the way back to like, you know, all the way even even pre pandemic 2015 during the pandemic to see how badly people got nailed to the wall when they um, when shipping went all over the place and they were doing that stuff. And I found you mentioned Simon earlier. uh, I found their campaign um, for uh, Zombicide White Death, which I backed, by the way, because I spent so much time on the campaign page. It looked really cool. Um, I have never played a Zombicide game before, but I've heard about them. I've heard good things about them. I, and I saw that they had all kinds of things. They had price ranges. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they have price ranges. And they had a thing that said, you will be charged right before shipping. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're charging right before shipping. Because if you charge,
2: shipping just changes. Yeah, if you charge
1: backer kit in June and we end up fulfilling in March of next year, like, I don't have a I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what shipping's going to look like then. It could be the same. It could be horrible, right? Or it could be better. And so if it's better, I want to give that to my backers. If it's, if it's more, I want to make sure that we we're covered correctly. Um, I, I, you know, I, I said everything everywhere estimates. So I I studied Simon's page really hard, super smart, how they handle everything. Um,
2: Dusty's the math genius. I just make things pretty. It's not genius. <laughs> it's
1: just, I spend a lot of time staring at spreadsheets not good yeah. at math. thinking about every possible angle. And so, so, you know, the original question was like, how do we How do we hedge against that well with shipping we hedge against that by we're we're either using easy ship collector we're going to use or we're going to use backer kit now has a feature to charge charge shipping later right um how do we make sure that things didn't cost every time we do anything related to manufacturing all we talk to panda how do we make sure that this is still going to be attractive to retailers We're, we're using golden goose consultancy for that uh andre and chris are two of the most incredible people i've ever met incredibly helpful i just like we have we went out and we found a whole bunch of people who are experts we made sure that we could afford to hire them or that their pricing was tied and to And we all.
2: did everything that we could by ourselves that mm-hmm. we felt comfortable with and then hired people Yeah and to then do h- the things we have no clue how to do.
1: So like Amy's Amy's a creator. She creates all day. She can't stop creating. Our house is covered in things she created like it were outside, do, yeah, yeah, outside so inside work. it doesn't matter. Yeah, every, the whole the whole farm is covered in creations. Our, uh, our kids are creators. I am absolutely systems guy, right? And that's how all our business runs. So I'm, I'm sitting there constantly thinking, well, okay, Amy's creating all this stuff. What can we do to make money off of it? How much is it going to cost? And all the 700 different angles of that. Maybe maybe people listening are not that. Maybe they're a creator. Maybe there's a, they're a salesperson. One of Amy's brothers is one of the, like, one of the most incredible salespeople we've ever met, right? Um, or my
2: mom's a salesperson too.
1: Amy's mom could we sell- We don't
2: like selling. Yeah,
1: Amy's <laughs> mom could sell salt water to a fish in the middle of the ocean, right? Like She's incredible. So- uh, we went out and, and, and by the way, super interesting kind of thing to look at. It's called wealth dynamics. If anybody's never he- heard these concepts before, um you find what you're good at, you do that thing, and you and you find people to surround yourself with, you know, and, 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 aka pay to who, who are good or marry, <laughs> like Amy, creator, who are good at those that's things. That's more
0: expensive, but okay. Yeah,
1: so that's what we did. Once I found Launch Boom, it all just sort of it all sort of waterfalled after that. Through Launch Boom, Launch Boom helped me find Panda. Jell-up. We found, we found Jellup, uh, we found Golden Goose off of an age contrives. We were looking at their um, campaign. We backed their game. And and once
2: and, our campaign started getting bigger, we're like, we could actually take this to retail, but how do we do that? Yeah, And so
1: Golden Goose is helping us do that. Cause you know, we don't know. And so, so to just to make sure that there are no mistakes or that the, mis- you know, cause they're going to be mistakes. Like this is messy. It's a messy process. No matter how much backer kit is really good and how good Kickstarter is and everything else. It's just messy.
2: And we've also gotten inquiries on like linguistic or what? localization, localization yeah. but we don't, I don't know. So we send that stuff to golden goose and it's like, is this a good proposition? Yeah.
1: So anything, anything like that at all that we don't know, we go check with everybody possible and things we think we know, we assume we don't, we go check with everybody possible and we just make sure. And then, the, and then the other big thing is I, you know, um, uh, everybody's been talking about a specific game lately that clearly did not have enough money to finish their campaign. You know, that hurts. So, you know, I know what, I know how much money we have in the bank. People and are like,
2: can they even deliver? Can
1: they even deliver? Yeah. People are asking if we could deliver Big yeah, Big uh, conversations about it online as though we can't also see the conversation they're having about what, like whether we're even capable of delivering. Um, and so, you know, we we have all this money that is in reserve and it's going to stay in reserve until all the, all the fulfillment is done. Because I'm assuming somewhere in the process, someone's going to come to us and say, look, we did not anticipate this and it's going to be 20 grand, right? Well, that's cool. I have that 20 grand sitting in the bank account for exactly this reason. You know, let's go. Um, So just to make sure that we have people who can help us solve the problems. We have people who can help us not have the problems in the first place. And then when the problem happens that we have the funds still on hand, we didn't go blow them on a van or something like that. Or a swimming
2: pool. Or a swimming (laughs)
1: pool like our daughter really wants us to. Just to make sure, you know, that that happens. And then once... Once ninety eight percent of the fulfillment is done and we're satisfied, okay, cool. Now we can take some of that extra profit and and put it back into the business, into our you know we've already got more games in the works, put it into those, do that kind of stuff. But none of that until the promises we have currently made have been taken care of.
0: Yeah, and that's super smart. Like you're saying, you're really just planning for. What could go wrong, right? You're thinking through something is probably going to go wrong and we're going to plan ahead and we're not going to get caught off guard. Yeah, exactly. It is guaranteed. It's it's just the way it is. Uh, You're talking about shipping. I mean, every January shipping prices go up. And so if you have a campaign that's going to fulfill next year, you can't possibly give people accurate numbers because they're guaranteed to go up. I've never seen them go down. Just so you're aware. Like I've never seen (laughs) shipping numbers go down. It just doesn't happen. They've, they've stayed kind of the same sometimes depending on the weight and the packaging and stuff like that. But pretty much they always go up every single January. And so you need to be aware of that and think about that. And like you're saying, just put the money in an account and, and have it basically have it planned out, right? You're telling the money where to go. And then you get to a place you're like, Hey, here's all this money that now we can turn into other projects or we can put into other things. We can go on a nice vacation because we've got this profit left over after we've you know, done all these things. That makes a lot of sense. And like I said, you're just finding people to help you do that effectively, right? Finding people that fill your gaps, right? And and bring them in. And that's nothing where people run into problems where they're just guessing. They're just trying. They're trying to figure it out, do the best they can. Maybe they don't want to spend the extra money. You know, they don't want to spend $1,000 here and then it costs them $10,000 there. It's like, well, that didn't make any sense. And so I think what you're doing Makes a lot of sense. You, you guys are, are really good I'm Trying to think prototypes, really, for how to do this effectively as first time creators. Now, like you're saying, you're running into these issues of people like, well, they've never delivered anything in the past. I have no track record. I have no reason to necessarily trust that they're going to get a game to me until so you're always going to have to overcome that. But that being the case, you always have to build up trust other places. So tell me about that. What are some places throughout your campaign, whether it's in your marketing, your customer service, your campaign page, where you were just telling potential backers you can trust us. I know we've never done this before, you never heard of us, but we're gonna we're gonna show you that we're we're good for it. What were some of those things that you were doing?
1: Yeah, there were two steps. Um, one, anytime anybody said, But you've never delivered before, what are you doing to deliver? I told them, listen, we got we have panda involved. We're talking to them constantly, and panda has made scythe pandemic twilight imperium and i just started listing the other games they've made and they're like oh i have all those and it was funny when we found them i had never once thought about them and i'm like oh look they make these games and i walked out into our to our our game shelf and i just started pulling down i didn't even need to ask them for samples they were, we're there. like what's yeah. the sample look like? i'm like so you're wondering about the quality of, of of panda open Scythe, and they're like oh cool that's really good quality and i said yep you know they make parks like mm-hmm. go look at parks that's that's that stretch goal for the linen texture go touch the cards in parks that's what you're getting wow those are great right so we told them about everything we we're doing. Well, how do you know you're going to be able to ship? Well, we're using EasyShip. Well, I've had these problems with EasyShip. I'm okay. Well, I've already talked to the guys. I talked to you, you know, to Matt and Cameron at EasyShip specifically about your message and this is what they said happened in that particular instance and this is what we're doing to make sure that doesn't happen. So just continuous communication. Um you nailed it when you said customer service. That's us. It's all about customer service. Like I will spend, you know, I will like, should I be off marketing to try and get 10,000 sales? Yes. But am I going to spend all that time instead dealing with the 100 customers that I have? You know, if I have to a hundred percent, right? Customer service before anything else. So every and all
2: of our other businesses. yeah, in our other businesses,
1: every single comment, every single email. I think we figured out that I we got like four thousand emails and comments in thirty days, and I responded to every single one of them. Uh, you know what? If anybody goes and looks, maybe not every, but maybe like ninety nine point nine 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 percent. They they things were slipping through the cracks.
2: And then some people were like, yeah, chiming in for other things. Yeah, <laughs> messages
1: on Facebook. You know, you name it. Mm-hmm. We were continuously involved, and so. I had people, I didn't know, I didn't think people would really notice. Like, we just wanted to make sure that every single person was happy. Uh, you know, happy is probably the wrong word because then you, then you maybe you're making bad decisions. Like, maybe this person's never going to be happy and you're running, ruining your business. But like, we want to make sure that every single person knew they were heard and that we were responding to them. And so every single message, you know, we got uh, every, every, and I had to get other things done. So every 30 to 60 minutes, I would go through the full list of messages we receive. I'd spend 15 minutes doing that. And then I'd go do the other task and then I'd come back and do it again. And so people started saying, wow, you know, I noticed even our vendors were like, I noticed you're responding to every single message that you're getting up and down the board. Yeah. Heck yeah. Those people, if that person is going to take the time to say, here's $39 I want, I want what you are selling. Like I am absolutely going to give them my full and undivided attention. Uh, when they have a question, when they have a comment, some of our backers were concerned. We had people on, you know, Board Game Geek um, can be a little hostile to games of our complexity, right? Or games yep. that use little, little some bit. of our mechanics. Little yeah, bit. just a little bit. And we had some interesting people putting up some interesting conversations there about like, you know, why did you choose this? And I just, I, we went through our design methodology in detail. Here's the reason we chose to do those things. And you
2: also have to, Not take everything personally. No, we
1: laughed at a lot of it, yeah. I mean,
2: I really have a hard time, but, like, knowing that they're not your target market. Yeah. Like, just realizing that for myself and being able to be like yeah they're not my target market and if
1: they weren't our target market i just said look here's what we did so that you can evaluate if you are our target market like i i think it sounds to me like you're not but that's okay here's everything we decided and some of them were like okay i see why you did that i'm still not going to get your game no problem that's okay like and some of them were like wow i hadn't thought about that i just went and backed your game for the for the all-in pledge Uh, you know, and so that's incredible. And if I hadn't taken the time to do that for every single person, would I have 15,000 backers? I honestly don't think I would, right? All the marketing in the world doesn't do much for you. Um, Even me, I'll I'll go and post on some, you know, like if I'll back a game and it's got, you know, thousands of backers and 6,000 comments and I'll leave like, I'm so excited. I backed the Monster Hunter Iceborne campaign and they and I backed it on day one and they already had a thousand comments. Like they put, you know, I, I was like, Oh my God, 4,000 emails a day I had a thousand in one day. And I said, I am so freaking excited for this game, you know, just to put some positivity out there thinking nobody would reply. And one of their team members said, welcome, welcome, you know, welcome Hunter, enjoy the game. And I, and I, you know, I'm like, Oh, they said, you know, like the customer service, right. Uh, they were super good about that. So yeah, just, customer service customer service customer service and by the end of the campaign they saw we were so involved that we weren't some non-entity i you know signed everything with our names so that it, so they would know it was me or amy signed it with her name to know it was her just to just to put some humanity in it so that people would know and that people would like to develop and trust one person we at also a time talked
2: in our story like at the bottom about like all of our other businesses and our flower press business and
1: here's what we've done uh some people there were some people that put out some uh youtube videos that were not very nice and we had a good chuckle about them but at the same time one of my backers actually came to us in a post that got a lot of attention because a lot of, like a lot of our backers responded to it and said hey guys just want you to know i don't think these things but i saw a youtube video where somebody was questioning your ability to deliver and questioning if you even know what you're doing and questioning all these things. What do you guys have to say to that? And, and I, I basically said, look, they didn't even talk to us, right? They they scrolled through our page. I watched the part where they, they flipped through our whole page, didn't read it, just flipped through the whole thing in, in less than two minutes, which I can't even read the thing in less than two minutes and we wrote it. Um and they said all these things about how we were never going to be able to do this, but they didn't ask us. They didn't ask about us. They didn't ask about the other three businesses that we have spent the last um, 16 years running. They didn't ask what our plans were. They well, didn't ask. Account. They didn't even. They stopped <laughs> scrolling before they even got to the section where we listed our partners to even ask, like, who was making the game? Um and so, and, and and that right there was a win because our backers were all like, oh, that's so cool. And I didn't know those things. And and that's, you know, that makes me want to back even more because I, I realize you guys have a plan and all this stuff. And so, yeah, you know, building trust is a good point. And we didn't really set out to do that. But I, I think the customer service definitely was definitely a huge one. And customer service and just being upfront, like this is what it is. And this is how we did it. And if you like that, cool. And if you don't like it, that's okay too. Like, you know, you don't have to make a game for everyone. You have to make a game for the people you want to make a game for.
0: You bring up a good point though, in not taking it personally. Unfortunately we live, I mean, it's always been this way, but now it's just magnified where negativity gets more views, negativity gets more people talking. So if someone were to make a video and say, Hey, check out these new creators, I'm sure they're going to be able to do everything that they're promising. They're going to get the games to you on time. It's going to be wonderful and great. (laughs) No clicks. Nobody cares. Exactly. But if they say, oh, I don't know about these people and do we trust them and maybe they're just stealing the money and all that. Oh, all of a sudden, you know, it's a conversation. And so unfortunately, that's just the incentive of online content. I would have been
1: more okay with it if they had talked to us first and then decided we were idiots, right? because then would it their due diligence to yeah, know to, to listen effort. to me and yeah. know that i am not a smart person right like that i have a bad plan but yeah it's a but they're telling our backers stuff one of them even argued with one of our backers and i'm like why don't you just let him back our game and the guy still you know still backed her game came yeah it just it was, it was just very strange but but even that we turned that into an opportunity to build trust right we took it head on it really amy, amy will spend forever thinking about it if, if we have we could have you know, we'll be on Etsy and we have 250 nice reviews and one where the shipping got messed up and a person wasn't It wasn't even our fault. And she will remember that one person forever, not the 249 people that said incredible stuff about her flower presses. And for me, it's like oil on water. I'm just looking at them going, okay, well, what do I need to say about this to to how can I and, and and again now how can I leverage this to build trust? And that was it. Anytime anybody came to us that I saw somebody said something, I just said, here's you know here's all the ways that we're working against that or working to make sure that doesn't happen or here's our design philosophy or whatever and and just just having that open conversation with people was enough to show them that you care that you have thought deeply about these things and that you you want them to be happy with your product
0: yeah absolutely and we get it'd be a whole other podcast episode to talk about why as creatives we hold on to the one and we ignore the ten <laughs> yeah. thousand that's a whole other thing
1: Mark Manson psychology talks about psychology a lot he wrote the subtle art of not giving a blank. Yeah. Uh, He talks about that in detail and and he's, he's brilliant about why we do those things and how to overcome them.
0: A lot of it. It's just, again, it's our little lizard brain and hold on to the things we just haven't quite overcome with this new age of, of online living and things like that. One thing I heard Casey Neistat say though, this is years ago, but it really stuck with me is that haters are lazy. It is the laziest thing in the world to just, be negative and to say negative things. Again, the, the people that are being negative about your campaign didn't reach out to you, didn't even send you an email, didn't even no. a, a tweet, <laughs> an Instagram message, like not, like the basic of all easiest thing to write out a, a one sentence question and ask you anything. They couldn't even do that because people that hate on stuff are, are lazy. It just is what it is. And so I think once you recognize that as a creative person, it kind of helps you get through some of these things. You're like, well, this person hasn't done any effort, put no time into this. This is them just like spouting off, just talking junk. And we see it written down or we see it in a video and it like hits us harder, but it's really like no different than walking by some crazy person on the street and them just saying some random thing. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, um, like whatever, man. You made me
1: think an interesting thing. So my my dad was a real estate agent down in LA when I was a kid. Um, this was before like, we moved up here when I was real young to the country. But, but when I was, when I was a little bit of kid, and he was the uh he was the top selling agent in the world for century twenty-one for four or five years in the eighties, like in the entire world. And it was all just in the, in our little corner of LA, uh, where I was born. And um he uh for years he taught other real estate agents. He had all you know all these training courses, sort of like you know, what I was talking about about finding the expert and learning things. And he would call it uh overcoming objections. Like and I've seen other sales things that since then where you overcoming objections. So anytime anybody says something negative to me, what that what i what that tells me is add that to the list of objections and then and so rather than thinking oh my gosh is something wrong with me it's just like okay well this is an objection okay is that remove this person and the and all the screaming they were doing or the just the really negative tone they had and is that objection valid and then you got to say okay well what kind of objection is it is it so we have a mechanic that is highly controversial where you draw an event card because And the reason you draw an event card that's random is because when these people would go out into the world and hunt their plants, the things that were happening to them happening to them were just like the crazier the event card we have, the more likely that I did I was I didn't I was lazy and I took a real life event.
2: Yeah, I was reading about like one. So I read a bunch of books Mm -hmm. and looked online about a bunch of plant hunters during the Victorian. Some guy took like a little clipping of a plant that was poisonous, he didn't know. He stuck it in his pouch with his toothbrush. And then the next day, he goes to brush his teeth. Afterwards, his heart like starts slowing down. It's like okay, couldn't make that who, up. Who yeah. would have thought? Some guy
1: dies in a in a in a pitfall trap with a bull at the bottom. He's got one eye and a pet falcon, well, and he's no, on the side was of snow a volcano. Blind. Yeah, it was snowblind. Yeah, snowblind. And, and he and he and he, uh, and he dies on the side of a volcano in this pit trap with a bull at the bottom. I c- couldn't make it up. So okay, so these event cards are random. really they're random. You know, ooh, bad word super controversial and you roll a dice to see what happens because we were like, okay, well, what's, you know, we've, we've played other games where, you know, heaven forbid you roll a dice. (laughs) And we just thought that was fun. And then we, and then, uh, okay, well, how did they deal with it? Well, they would make sure they were prepared, right? They would buy equipment. They would hire crew. They would go out in the world and they would make almost like running a Kickstarter. They were make, they would make sure they were prepared for every random thing that was going to happen to them. Okay, so now we so now we have some randomness, but we also have a whole element of randomness mitigation, and that works against your budgeting and whether or not you can go get flowers, and it just adds a whole layer of depth to the game and strategy. And 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 without having played the game, a, a lot of connoisseurs of board games found this to be highly controversial. So we went through our design philosophy and we made a few tweaks here and there to add a little more agency and stuff. But we also thought, okay, well we're making this to be light medium. This is okay. It's okay that it's like this. It's fun. We're all screaming at each other and screaming at the game and having fun while we're playing. And that's the only thing that matters about this whole board game is not whether or not it ticks these boxes, but whether or not everybody is having fun. Right. And so, so I went back and I started thinking, okay, well, but you know, but people are saying this, this is an objection, right? And if I don't address this objection, then someone will say it and they will walk away and that will be the end of it. I'll never see them again, right? I lost a customer. And what could that customer have meant? Not just here, but when I release expansions and when I'm releasing other games and when, they're, when they go and tell their friends about the game, you know, it, it has this compounding effect. And so sometimes that happens and it's fine. But like, if this is an objection, we need to address it. And so I did exactly what I did just now and told you, like, this was our design philosophy. These are the things that happened in real life that inspired us to have it be this way. These are the ways that we have added strategy around this randomness. And I had plenty of people who brought it up that came back to us and said, oh, wow, I hadn't thought about that. That's cool. I just backed your game. Well, great. So, you know, think about those objections. Don't take, if somebody says something mean to you, say, okay, yeah, they're a jerk. Right. But then also say, but they did say this thing. How do I address this? Like,
0: (laughs) yeah, that's a good point. And also one thing I've ran into online is so many people that have sent me messages or comments or emails or whatever, and have seemed like a jerk. Come to find out English just wasn't their first language. Yeah. They they were being mean. They just didn't know the right words. There's no nuance. There's no, you know, they didn't. All they knew was that one word. And in this context, that one word is kind of like, oh, man, that's kind of harsh. But That's the only word they knew.
1: (laughs) so customer service that's that's customer service again right when they say what you you never you never engage like i don't know have you ever seen like the videos where somebody's at at like a coffee shop and the barista is like screaming at the customer like not in our house ever right it doesn't matter they could be the worst backer on the planet and we have no backers on the planet who are the worst backers ever all our backers are wonderful human beings and we love them all to death right uh but they could be they could just be just not a nice person And you just stay, you stay neutral. You present facts. And then like, I had, I think we've had, we have had three pledges at all that I had to cancel after the campaign. And every single one of them came to me, expecting me to, you know, to do that thing where they sit in the queue on the phone for six hours and I don't give them their money. And I just said, oh, no, no problem. Here you go. And if you want a late pledge. And since then, two of the people, two of the three people I had to cancel came back to our backer kit and late pledged again for the exact same thing that they had backed on backer. That, you know that's fine customer service customer service customer service just help them you're not you're not like you're not giving them what they want in a way that's um compromising you but you are helping them get to a conclusion that they are happy with and, and independent of how they wrote like you know don't respond to anything that they've written some
2: people also are just horrible texters or
1: or they just don't write with exclamation points yeah, like we do like, like we put an exclamation point on everything smiley face so i'm just <laughs> so excited right now like yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, just don't worry about what people say or how they say it. Try to look at it and say, well, what, you know, what does this mean? How are other people going to look Maybe at it? just and,
2: confused. Yeah.
1: And then go rant to your friends about all these jerks that are contacting <laughs> you if you need to, or writing things about you. People you never heard of saying things about you on YouTube, which you never thought people would say things about you ever on YouTube, unless you ended up like in jail or something. <laughs> um, yeah. Just take it, look at the objections Think about how you address those objections for people who have those concerns. And more often than not, we ended up winning over the people who were objecting to whatever we were doing in, in whatever fashion. And, and we got more backers. And that, that goes back to that building of trust that you we're talking about, too.
0: Exactly. And something I've had to learn from a customer service standpoint is to use exclamation marks, use emojis, use things. Because a lot of times I'm in the zone and I'm like answering as many emails as I can in the next 10 minutes. And so sometimes I'll be just a little bit too matter of fact, just too much to the point. Someone will, an- will ask a question and I will answer it and I don't think anything of it. It's just like, hey, I answered your question, but then they'll be like, hey, are you are you upset about that? I was like, wait, what? And so I've had to learn throw a little smiley face on the end, throw a little exclamation mark, put a little have an excellent week, my friend at the end yeah. or something like that.
1: Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. yeah, if anybody listening to this, if you want to test it out, you shoot us an email through our store Message us on Instagram, and the first thing we will say back to you is something nice with an exclamation point. And the last thing we will say when we're done is thank you. I you know I've probably said thank you four thousand times. I thank people multiple times. Every time they they would message me three times in an hour trying to figure something out, and at the end of everyone, I'd say thanks again for backing our game. I know I already said it, but thanks again. Just know that we are grateful for your attention, and and yeah, use those exclamation points exactly, you know, liberally.
0: And, <laughs> it, and it is so much easier to keep a customer than to make a new customer. And so what you're doing, it's not even just to be a nice person and to, to you know, want the best for people, make people happy. It's also business. It's thinking through. It's cheaper and easier to keep this person on board and hopefully backing the next thing as opposed to going out and using some more ads, using some more marketing, spending money here and there, wherever to bring in new people. And, and our, a lot
2: of our backers were like, oh, my gosh, I'm telling all my plant loving friends. Or I heard
0: from my friend or they we had
1: people who hadn't backed us. We had people backing us who told that they, that people who didn't back us found them and were so impressed with our campaign and thought of them and told them to come check us out because they knew, you know, they didn't say target market, but they knew that their friend was our target market. Right. Um, and that's the same thing for our other businesses. Our wedding business is 75% referrals. Right. And so it's not just, it's easier to keep that customer. It's also easier to sell to every person that that customer talks to because sure the internet may be full of negative things, but like, you know, if my, if my friend comes to me and says. Uh, so I have never played the Binding of Isaac video game. Amy's brothers play it. Uh, Binding of Isaac Four Souls, the the board game is or the card game is one of my favorite games of all time. Right, so I went from being having no fan base there, not really my style of game, a video game, to Amy's brother coming to me and saying, "You got to check this game out." Right, and the first thing I did was go out and buy it like instantly. Uh, and so, yeah, it's not just that one person. It's everybody that they talk to ever. Right. So
2: have game nights with their yeah. their moms. Lots of people are like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited to play this with my mom. Yeah, your
1: mom. <laughs> you know what? I love your mom. Your mom. If your mom, if I'm bringing you two closer together. Fantastic. Bonus points.
0: And I mean, happy customers are your best ambassadors. Like all of the Facebook ads, all the wonderful marketing in the world isn't nearly as impactful as one person who someone trusts, who's had a good experience with you and is now telling other people. I remember, so for a long time, I worked in, I lived and worked in Honduras and I worked at a high school. I taught English. And then they would also send me out on these like recruiting trips to help bring in new teachers, you know, and try to recruit new folks that were graduating from college. So we went around to all these different universities on these trips. But I would tell the superintendent, I would tell the principals before I left. I was like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to do the best I can. But here's the deal. The best ambassadors are all the other teachers on staff. Because if you treat them really well, they're going to go home over the summer and they're going to recruit for you. They're going to say, You've got to come be a part of this school. You've got to come be a part of what we're doing in Honduras. It matters. It means something. They treat us really well. Here's what we're doing. Like, I can go on all these trips. You can spend a lot of money sending me out and, you know, basically trying to sell people on this thing. But the better you treat the people that work for you, or, in, you know, our case as, as game developers and better we treat our customers, the more ambassadors you have. And so it's just something to think about.
1: And the detractors, too. I had people backing us after they saw somebody put up a YouTube video and, and and I just, I just went to the YouTube video and I answered the questions they had in the video. I didn't say anything about all of the negative stuff they said. And then somebody, you know, I had at least 10 people come to us say, Hey, I saw the comment that you left and that was cool. that You left a comment and I decided to come over here and check it out and, and I backed you. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Right? Like,
0: you know, we've talked a lot about the positives, a lot about the successes and the things you're doing to safeguard things here and there, but tell me what mistakes, what issues you've already run into leading up to and then during the campaign that you could just share with listeners that, you know, maybe they wouldn't fall into the same hole that you fell into. What are some of those things? Shipping, (laughs) shipping, 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 shipping. Originally we were just
2: going to do shipping from the United States. And then we got so many messages about shipping hubs and probably
1: 500 of the mm -hmm. 4,000 emails and messages we replied to or answered were about, having shipping outside the us and we
2: just didn't know because we didn't want to like over promise and lose a ton of money
1: and i see all these first-time creators that have shipping like you know eu friendly shipping and uk friendly shipping and australia friendly shipping and canada friendly shipping and I, and I was just like you know i went and talked to a bunch of people not just easy ship who we we're working with but a bunch of other people and they were all like yeah that's not a good plan and I said, well, all these other people are doing it. And they're like, it's not a good plan.
2: You need like a the, yeah. certain number. You are going to lose
1: a bunch of money if you don't have 300 backers in the UK, period, right? Because you, because the, and that's if you can, and there are people out there, I have learned since that there are people out there that will contact you and say, we'll work with you all the way down to like 20 backers. That's fine. It's going to cost you, it's going to cost you a lot. There are people out there and say it, but but realistically, the, the process we were looking at Three hundred was our minimum number, and we got—we just had so many people asking, 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 and it was the number one. Speaking of objections, the number one objection we had in the first six days was, "Why are you not offering better and shipping?" We were just
2: trying to figure it out. And, <laughs> and
1: again, I had gone through all these other campaigns, and and I was just convinced. I was like, "My gosh, you know, if anybody out there listening has." knows that like I, I was looking at this stuff and thinking man this is psychotic how much money did they lose and you guys didn't lose any money i want to hear all about it i want to know everything that you have to teach me yeah how uh, do we get ch- yeah how do we cheap- make this work because it was behavior. just not it was not materializing for us so we opened so we got to the point where we had we had like for example we were
2: like okay i think we're gonna make we're getting close enough 300 people in the and we're like
1: okay we have 150 people in australia the minimum is 300. We got to pay for those 300 people no matter what. Worst case scenario, we open in Australia and we lose $8,000, but that's okay but because happy we've made cups, happy, yeah, customers. happy customers. We have happy Australian customers and we have made enough profit over here that we can eat that $8,000 over here from making a big mistake. And we didn't have to because we ended up with like 700 backers in Australia and New Zealand and 800 backers in the UK and like uh, 2000 in EU or something like that. Um,
2: One in like Africa, right? Yeah, we have
1: 87 <laughs> countries. And I didn't even know we could ship to some of these countries. And I even went to EasyShip and I was like, hey, I saw somebody uh, backed us in, it was a country called Reunion. Never even heard of that country. Looked it up and it's real. Didn't even know it existed. And they're like, yeah, we can ship there. No problem. Okay, good. As long as you guys are okay. But yeah, so, but when we did that, we opened all these additional hubs. I'm surprised I didn't ask enough questions because I probably asked a hundred questions of EasyShip and UFL who is handing these handling these hubs for us. Uh, we we shot a piece of our process in the foot for being able to accurately charge shipping later and also pay VAT. Luckily, that could have been a giant disaster that cost a ton of money. But all I did was I I sent a thousand like you know like really fat really quickly typed emails like oh my gosh. I didn't realize these things were going to happen, and they, and you know, and Easy Ship and everybody else helped us. They're like, no big deal. Panda's like, oh yeah, this is how we do it. We can ship to these different locations, and so, um, I, it, it didn't turn into a disaster, but it absolutely could have been a gargantuan disaster that would have killed us. About yeah,
2: us is like shipping, shipping, mm-hmm. shipping. Like, yeah. I personally didn't think about shipping that much. <laughs> and previously, we Free. had done,
1: yeah, our farm. We ship from our farm, but it's it's Priority Mail we put it in a box that the post office comes and picks it up out at the at the delivery stand we have out by the other side of the farm and piece of cake you know but
2: and we have a few that like ship to like the uk and australia those ones like flower pressing um and they get expensive yeah
1: it's it's crazy how expensive shipping is so you know just make sure that you're not getting you're not losing tons of money because of shipping like make sure you find a good shipping partner talk to them extensively. Come up with a plan and then and just make like, sure that you We
2: probably should have started looking into shipping way earlier. <laughs> way
1: earlier. Like like before we even realized we wanted to make a board game. Yeah. yeah. That's that is so dangerous. It's really straightforward. The, this is my game and it cost me X dollars a box and I'm selling it for this. And Kickstarter takes five percent, credit cards take three percent, backer kit takes two percent, and I made X amount of dollars. But shipping Like if if your margin is just throwing numbers out there, like $20 and you don't calculate shipping correctly, and you make X amount of dollars off your campaign, you can lose half of it to shipping. And if you're not careful, you could spend that money, not even knowing you were gonna lose it. And suddenly you're like going to Wells Fargo, like, hey, how about that small business loan? Because you, you know, because shipping is so volatile. And so um, charging shipping later, if anybody from Seamon is listening, <laughs> go get a like. Go get some ice cream and think about all the good thoughts that we think about you, <laughs> because your campaign was so brilliantly put together in that regard. Shipping is so dangerous that you just got to make sure that you have people who can really help you out. And Easy Ship has been incredible; those guys have been unbelievable.
2: And then also think about taxes and VATs. Like, yeah. so originally we were kind of thinking about opening up a hut or a. Uh, fulfillment center fulfillment center in new jersey and then we realized that it would be what a nexus yeah you
1: become a you become an economic nexus in new jersey if you're fulfilling things from new jersey and suddenly if you don't think about that you didn't collect sales tax for the 300 backers you had in new jersey and the state of new jersey starts knocking on your door going hey mm-hmm. you know you owe six thousand dollars in back taxes why didn't you pay us And so we found, we live in California. We found a fulfillment center in California. We already do sales tax in California for our other businesses. And so, you know, got that process solved. But, but, you know, I hadn't even, I even knew about economic nexuses and I did not think about until it was almost too late. The fact that if I drop 9,000 copies of this game in New Jersey, any of them that go to people in New Jersey, which I, like I said, is a few hundred people, you know, I got to be collecting sales tax on that. And then Um,
2: that we're still kind of figuring out Yeah, that that.
1: we're going to go to a company to help us figure that out because you know, that's That's another, it's
0: it's another nightmare to deal with. I've been dealing with that with my own company. It's like, oh, there's so many things. Yeah. Well, you know, oops,
1: you didn't charge VAT. Hope you never want to go to France again because they're going to be waiting for you when you get off the plane. Right. (laughs) Like for tax evasion. Um, yeah. So, but you know, again, we have, we have all these people that are working, you know, that we have hired to work with us and, um, they've got their checklist and they're making sure that we're doing everything. And I am constantly just continuously asking questions. And I feel so bad because I ask I mean, you guys can tell, I talk a lot. Uh, but I ask, I ask even more questions than, than what I am conveying here. And, uh, you know, find vendors that will answer those questions. who will help you. Um, you know, it doesn't even have to be people that you pay, you know, you know, like I, we talked about like some leaps of faith. We took paying certain people. You know, but just find those gaps you have and find any way to to have people help you with them, right? Like I you know um, I'm not a salesperson. we found salespeople. I'm, I don't understand shipping and logistics. We found people who understand shipping and logistics, right? And then I asked them a million questions. and even if the even if I don't understand the answers, the questions I'm asking help them understand what I need to know and what we need to think about. We probably should have had our stretch goals more lined up. Those were highly controversial. Uh, people people were way more into them than I thought. You know, this probably would have been a better question a year from now, where we're like, oh my gosh, you asked us that question and we didn't think about these other mistakes we were making. Uh,
2: We do use public domain images. And so we've been really diligent in the United States. Public domain is, I think, 70 years after the people died. And we're making sure everything's like prior to. Because every
1: country's different. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think we're one of the top ones. I think somewhere else is 90 years.
1: Uh, So Um, we went, yeah, we made sure we got images like on iStock, on ArtV on raw pixel that were commercially available on wikimedia commons um
2: and make sure that it says like it is because um public domain and not like oh you have to do this and this and or it's not it's in like this
1: and that's specifically in our case like if you guys out there are um if you're working with an artist or you're using art from some place or you're licensing just make sure up and down everywhere that everything you're working with that you have that you have the agreements in place to. Because we have another game that we're working on. Um, it's like my little baby project that will probably that was be the
2: game that we started doing and then
1: Botany ate it. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like I, we joke around that like flowers, like everything else took over Dust, yeah. <laughs> Dusty's game.
1: <laughs> so I have a very nerd game that we're working on. that was supposed to fill the market niche, not the market niche, but sort of the product level that we were, that we were looking to hit with botany. Um, and, and now I'm just going to take my time working on it, but like we're working with artists there. Well, I've made sure with every single artist that I have working on that game that they sign a work agreement that says, here's the commercial rights and this and that, and this and that, because, um. That's one mistake you don't want to run into is down the road. You find out that you've made 40,000 copies of a game and that there's one image in there that, that you did not have proper rights to use and the artist is not happy about it. And now you, you know, you got to make sure that you got to find some way to compensate them or you got to pull recall, you know, not recall, but I I don't know. I've I've never heard of a board game recall, but you got to pull back all the units you have for sale or whatever. Just make sure that everything that, that, that um, don't be afraid to get a lawyer involved in your business and that can be expensive, but that can also be, you know, just go to them and they'll say, Hey, for $300, I'll make sure go to legal zoom, go anywhere you need to, to, to make sure that you have all that stuff lined up. And that's the number one mistake I'm worried about making is that at some point we're going to find out that we missed some, not necessarily with the licensing and the photos, but we missed something that should not have been missed and that it's going to, you know, and that it's going to come back to bite us. And so I'll lie awake yeah. in the middle of the night, just like, like doing checklists <laughs> in my head, like, Oh, did I make sure that we have the trademark correctly filed and blah, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So.
0: Well, hopefully, hopefully that doesn't happen and everything goes well. And I mean, you're going to make mistakes like like you already talked about. It's inevitable, but hopefully they're on the cheaper side and not the multiplied by 15,000 crazy side.
1: Like, you know, there've been little mistakes with individual people too, but like our crew of people, anytime we, anytime we're getting close to a precipice where I'm like, this could be a mistake, they have helped us, you know, find the path of least resistance, fix it, solve it. Yeah. And, and shipping is the place where that is happening
0: the most
2: <laughs> logistics
0: yeah amy dusty this has been phenomenal so much incredible information thank you so much for for sharing it where can people find the game to to late pledge or find out more about you guys or, or your your uh, your potion company
1: so we're, we're uh duck somnium on instagram d-u-x-s-o-m-n-i-u-m uh duck uh, uh if you want to we have a contact form or you can contact us through. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. And we've had a few creators reach out to us. And uh, we're happy to help you guys, you know, answer any questions we can. Because, you know, six months ago when I typed in how to Kickstarter, uh, <laughs> like I was there, like same way. I still am there. But like I said, we found people that can help us answer all these things go to our Kickstarter. Yeah. If you want a late pledge, you go to our Kickstarter. Probably the easiest thing is we have back late pledges set up in backer kit. So go to Kickstarter and just click the late pledge button, just like you do for most campaigns. And it'll take you right where you need to go.
0: Awesome. Thank y'all so much for joining me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.